Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 119. John and Wendy talk to Chris Kurtz. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you tonight, John? Wendy, I am well. And Wendy, it is June. We are. How did that happen? Ext- I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But we've talked about it a little bit on social mm-hmm. media. We are incredibly excited to announce that for the entire month of June, we are being sponsored by our friends at Paycor. Yes. Yay, Paycor. You know, what's even more exciting, John, is not only are they sponsoring us, but we're doing some extra stuff this month just with them. <laughs> we are. So as we pull the curtain back a little bit, when Sherm made some decisions as far as how they were going to move forward with Blog Squad, uh, an opportunity was presented to us to partner with Paycor and attend mm-hmm. the conference with and work with them there. We all know that that conference is not happening now. Well, Paycor wanted to work with us and we definitely wanted to work with them. So, you know, they're going to be sponsoring this month. Yep. We're going to do a, a, a show with them. We're going to do an event that'll be at the end of the month. We'll talk more about as we get closer to it. We've got another thing that we're doing that we're really excited about. But Wendy, I think the piece de resistance of this whole thing is June 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's the return of the not at Sherm chat. <laughs> the thing that started this all. The thing that started it all started three years all. ago. Everybody, <laughs> you have no excuses. You're not going to be mm-hmm. at Sherm. Exactly. We're not going to be at Sherm. We were actually going to have the booth set up with Paycor, be serving a drink. Yep. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. We are working on some other things, but that chat will happen and that you're going to be there because there's nothing else to do on June 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we we will have a special drink that we will encourage you to have. Yes. Um, you know, we're going to get that figured out. Obviously, we can't serve you. That's a little impossible, um, especially with social distancing. But um, know that we will be sharing recipes. And uh, the goal is to find something that you can make alcoholic or non-alcoholic. So everyone can enjoy it. I think we're... Well on that way. The yeah. other exciting thing that will be happening as part of that chat, for those of you who have seen the pictures, the holographic social hour <laughs> stickers that were going to be a Sherm 20 exclusive because mm-hmm. the comic book nerd that I am, everybody had hollow, hollow covers in the 90s. <laughs> the hollow stickers are going to be first available during the chat. And so, we'll, you know, if you take part in that chat, we're going to be distributing them accordingly. Yep. But Wendy, again, uh, well, it's just, you know, John, I, yeah. I I do have to share one other thing because not only will we have HR Social Hour stickers holograph, there's going to be HR Wonder Women stickers as well. Outstanding. <laughs> Those are coming outstanding soon. So yes, um, so two for one, yay. Well, we again <laughs> are are thrilled to be working with yes. with Paycor and thank you, Paycor. Uh, and and I we should make mention too. We want to thank Jennifer McClure in particular, who w- made some initial introductions for us yep. there. She's going to be taking part as one of our co-hosts for that chat. So yep. that's going to be really fun, too. But Yay. you're going to hear a lot more about Paycor throughout the month. We really do appreciate that opportunity. But you know what? We've got a really great guest with us tonight. And we're, yes, we do. I, I don't want to spend all of our time talking about Paycor because they're going to get more time. <laughs> I, I, I'm really excited because I've heard so many great things about Chris and what he's yep. doing I look forward to this opportunity to get to know him a little better because I know you you two have had a chance to talk a little bit already. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop talking, let you make the introduction, and we will get started. So excited to welcome Chris Kurtz to the show tonight. He is the CKO, Chief Kindness Officer, of Do Good, Be Kind, 
an organization whose purpose is to advance the values of kindness and accountability in schools and communities. He is also the founder and principal at Peer Through LLC, an independent consultancy that helps clients manage and capitalize on insights from their presence on Glassdoor. He has over 25 years of experience leading a wide range of high-performing, diverse teams in both startup and large multinationals. Chris believes that people perform best when they feel appreciated, that leadership is simple but not simplistic, and that the secret to a happy life is found in the pursuit of harmony, not balance. Chris is a devoted husband and father of four stinky boys and currently resides on the North Shore of Oahu. Well, Chris, so excited to chat with you again. Um, Our first question is, what's in your glass? Well, aloha to both of you, and thank you for having me on. Um, What is in my glass? If it's not water, it's Diet Mountain Dew. (laughs) And I have slipped back into the Diet Mountain Dew phase of my life. (laughs) I'm telling you, I I was doing so good for a while, but it's in the glass now and I'm enjoying every every sip of it. Every sticky sweet... You just got to do the do, Chris. You just got to do the do. I know. I feel like if Tim Sackett and I were ever to meet in real life, that would be the first thing we would exchange. I, I think he's a big hugger. That's a joke. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Maybe. And of Diet Mountain Dew, right? And by the way, June 28th is my birthday, so I'll be Ooh. raising a glass of Diet Mountain Dew in honor of HR Social Hour, for sure. Chris, I think you win the prize for being the furthest away as far as recording, being in Hawaii, I don't know the mileage from there as opposed to our friend Melanie Peacock in Canada, but you know, I think you, you two are certainly the most remote folks that we've talked to uh, on the show. And so it's amazing. Technology is grand and we're doing it right here in real time. But I got to ask, you know, you're one of those folks that we would really consider HR adjacent. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, how exactly you got into the world of employer branding and, and working with Glassdoor and, and peer through. How did that, how did that come to pass for you? Well, how big is the glass that you have in front of you, John? This could be an all-night discussion. You know, first of all, I think going back just a little bit, what was so fascinating, you know, my my historical careers in sales and sales management, sales leadership, and I remember having my first real strategic interaction with human resources right before the, the last recession. And that was when I really felt the impact of HR and the possibilities of HR and I left that organization and worked for an ERP for a little while. And then I ended up finding Glassdoor. And I think the transition there really was what was eye-opening for me was coming from a very large organization into a startup where, candidly at the time, most of the people that I worked with or team that I managed had very little practical workplace experience. You know, they were fairly new in their careers And so I remember sitting with large organizations and we're talking, you know, companies like Amazon or Walmart or Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And the dialogue was very different. It was, it was, for lack of a better word, it became a lot more strategic. A lot of people had these preconceived notions about Glassdoor and what it was. And it was, in most cases, boiled down to, um, it's a rant site. It's not going to do a whole lot for us. And when you really start to peel back the curtain and have a more strategic dialogue around it and around employer branding and the data and the insights that were there, I'll never forget sitting in in a conference room at, at, in Seattle with Amazon and sharing the data and drew a blank on his name, Phil. Anyway, he he said, even if this data is like one third correct, we should be paying attention to this. And that was a big aha moment for me. The second was how many individuals 
I would talk to personally in organizations that would say, can you take this sexual harassment, bullying claim, uh, negative review, whatever it was, can you get this down for us? Like the CEO is really upset. And that was another really big aha moment for me because I had experienced all of those things, believe it or not, in organizations. And really when you ask and say, well, is, is a portion of this true? Why would we want to take it down? And that kind of led me down this path of when I left Glassdoor five years ago this month, believe it or not, the question then was, what do I want to do? And I really wanted to help organizations not suck on Glassdoor. And I wanted to help organizations fix the negative problems in the right way, which when you boil them down, they come down to breakdown in communication, um, fear of, of confronting conflict. And there's so many things around that that can be addressed through the human resource side. And that's what's kept me on this path now for the last five plus years. I love it. That's that's awesome. I, I like the <laughs> we could probably talk forever about all the things that people wanted you to take down. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is long and it's funny. You know, it's amazing what yeah. people will call in and say and they'll say, well, you know, this is true or, you know, yeah, this does exist, but we just don't we don't want it out there. You know, that, <laughs> that was a very common phrase. Oh, I'm sure. We don't want to talk about the bad stuff. We know it's there, but if we pretend it's not there, yeah. um, <laughs> it'll go away. So, you know, that a lot of that comes down to um, employer branding, which, you know, we all know that's important. So having worked at Glassdoor and having had a lot of those awesome conversations, um, what are a few pieces of advice that you've given to employers for some of those just small things they can do to either make changes or to highlight their brand in a positive way? You know, I've been thinking about this question quite a bit. When I look at organizations and we think about employer branding, we most commonly think about attracting the people who may or may not know about us. We think about it from a marketing lens. How do I get people to switch from Coke to Pepsi, for example, or to switch from Honda to Hyundai? How do I do that from a marketing lens? And so employer branding historically has been focused on the candidate who may or may not know about us. But what about those people who already know about us? Or what about our own internal audience? What don't they know about us? And it's amazing. I did about a, a year ago for, for Panasonic, actually, I did a, a large candidate experience audit for them. And through the course of that audit, I was able to interview, gosh, almost 30 of their managers, starting with senior, a few senior level, level executives down to frontline managers. And I was amazed at how little they knew about their own organization. Now we're talking VP level and I'd say, hey, tell me about this value that I found on your career site. And they had no idea what it was. Or I'd ask them, can you tell me about the values of your organization? This isn't to make them look bad. I just think if we look within a lot of organizations, it's easy to get siloed. And so one of the common practices that I would share as it relates to employer branding is your entire organization has to be singing from the same page. And we hear that often, but what does that really mean? Well, internally, your people have to know about your employer brand. They are your employer brand. They have to be sharing that as well. And it can't just be a few select hiring managers that know what those values are. I should be able to go to any level of the organization, ask questions about the culture, and see if those responses resonate with what those stated values are. The, the other thing I would say as it relates to employer brand is we often look at it from the candidate perspective, again, often from attraction. But what about the, and I, I don't even want to call them alumni, because, you know, as an alumni, we graduate, and I can't remember who coined this phrase, you know, alumni, I'm, I doubt I'll ever go back to my alma mater. I, I'm looking at another master's degree, but I'm not going to go back to my alma mater. I'm looking for something else. 
Um, but what about those people who have left the organization? And so I see a lot of organizations putting a tremendous amount of money, people, resources, effort into attraction, very little effort into how do we maintain communications with those who have left or those who have been with us or those who might want to come back. And it almost seems like too many organizations give very little or not enough thought to the departure. And it's sad to me. That saddens me, actually, to the departure of the people who have given their blood, sweat and tears to build the company. And, you know, maybe they get a letter. Very few get anything from senior leadership 30, 60, 90 days out. And that's one of my very first questions, even as it relates to employer branding, is if I've been a great soldier for your organization and I leave, what can I expect in 30, 60 or 90 days from you? And it's crickets, silence, because we haven't thought that far down the road. But that is also part of your employer brand. And so I would just say for anyone who's asking, you know, where do we get involved Make sure that you're, you're branding not only to those that you're trying to attract, but everyone internally. And also think about from cradle to grave. Grave sounds really harsh right now, but cradle to grave, the entire process is part of your employer brand. Chris, let's expand on something there or, or kind of talk about the fact that we are in some really challenging times. Yeah. None of us have seen what we're living through right now. We've seen recessions and, and you know, Wendy and I have talked with other folks about what we dealt with, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. What do you think's the thing that people really miss employers miss when it comes to recession like this in a situation we're in right now, unemployment where it is. And, and, you know, obviously I think a lot of people may not necessarily see light at the end of the tunnel, but what do, what do employers get wrong in this time when it comes to branding? Wow. That's such a great question, John. And I've, I've looked at organizations that I think, what have they really gotten right? The ones I would say that I would highlight have gotten right are the organizations where the senior leader, the CEO himself or herself, are willing to be, look at me getting emotional. This is funny. They're willing to be vulnerable enough to even say exactly what you just said, John. You know, we've we've been through this, right? We've gone through this. As Wendy read in my bio, I've been in, in this for 25 years. I'm not you know, I've, I've gone through the, the dot-com burst, the recession. And so I think even those executives, so I think about the CEO of Marriott, one of the very first videos that we saw, and that's one that I would say they got it right. He was vulnerable to come in and talk about his people, the, the place that we're in, the difficult decision. You could feel it. It was gut-wrenching. And I think from a brand perspective, and I don't even know that he was doing it from an employer branding perspective so much as He's a great human. If I were to look at a, a leader who is communicating and, and showing empathy, what he did in, in recording that video and being so vulnerable about the difficulty and the decisions that were being made, in my opinion, endeared more people to that organization. And so when I look at companies that, as you say, are what, what are they doing wrong? It's kind of a blanket statement. But what I would say is if you're quiet, if you're not communicating anything or if you're completely disconnected with the reality of where we're at. And it's okay to talk about uncertainties. The other thing I would just address to that is um, a lot of organizations haven't taken the time yet to pull job listings. And that's one of the very first things I would do right now in this market is call the listings that you don't see coming up in the next 90 days if you don't anticipate them to alleviate stress on your recruiters, to alleviate stress on the candidates who may be applying and they're waiting anxiously 
And that to me just, again, it shows empathy from a leadership standpoint to say, I don't want somebody sitting with false hope, waiting for a return email, waiting for a phone call that may or may not be coming at this time. More broad communication, more open communication, and just recognizing the reality of of where we're at. I love that you highlighted um, the people that are doing things right. Um, we love to talk about the people that are getting it wrong. Um, but I think, you know, too, I, I like seeing the vulnerability in, in some of the leaders that we didn't see that during the last recession as right. much. We didn't see that. We didn't, you know, um, even back, I, cause you know, as we go into the recesses of, of life. And I remember even back in 2001, when it would have been, very easy for leaders to be vulnerable because it was um, a difficult time for everybody. You still didn't see that. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it's kind of, I hate to say nice because I hate where how we've gotten here, but it, it's good to see people in a, a different way um, taking on those roles and being vulnerable and sharing that and showing that you can still be successful without Without being an ass. <laughs> right. And if we go back to 01, I mean, think about this. You know, we go back to 01, we never had a dot-com bubble burst. Mm-mm. That was a first. I remember, and I think the three of us on here can probably still think about the the time where the discussion was, do you think the internet will be around? It's kind right. of bad. Companies aren't going to do business online. Nobody's going to purchase anything online, right? That was kind of the mindset. And so even right. at that time, to have something burst like that, even to step forward and say, wow, this is un- unprecedented. I promised myself I wouldn't use that word. Um, <laughs> you know, this is a first, these are, this is new territory for us. And so I think even leaders from an employer brand standpoint right now, being able to come in and say, there's a lot of unknown variables for us. And that that takes a lot of courage as a leader to express the unknown. And sometimes people don't want to hear that they don't know. But it's okay to say, I don't know, but we have smart people on our team and we're working on this. I don't have all the answers. We're collaborating with people in this industry. And I think that's one of the things we're seeing more openly now is the collaboration between organizations that we didn't see, even in the dot-com burst and even in the recession. It's wonderful to see companies, I, I would say that's part of their employer brand, where they're willing to collaborate openly with other organizations to help fight a common problem. And by the way, if you go back to phenomenal leaders in history, this is exactly what Churchill did so great at was rallying different countries, different people to work to a common cause. I think organizations that will survive through this and not just survive, but thrive through this will have that ability to display that. And I'm going to call it corporate humility to bond with other organizations for common good. They're the ones that are really going to stand out. I love it. Well, I think that's a really good segue into um, asking you to tell us a little bit about your other company, Do Good, Be Kind. Um, so tell us more about that movement, what led you to start it, and um, and, and where you're going. Do good, be kind. I, I shared this last week. It's kind of that proverbial um, thread on the sweater that you pull it and you're not exactly <laughs> sure where it's going to go, but it just keeps unraveling. You know, we all have these key moments in our life. One of my favorite book is, it's a book about moments, and um, we have these key defining moments in our life. And one of those key defining moments for me distinctly was in the fall of 2015, or excuse me, early spring of 2015. And I was dealing with a really difficult uh, work situation at Glassdoor uh, with a work bully, you know, and it was, it was causing me tremendous stress and tremendous anxiety. And I remember driving home and I got a text from my then 15 year old son. And he said, dad, I'm in a park 
and I'm thinking about killing myself. And, you know, as a parent, A, I was grateful that he sent the text. B, it was the world, the universe, everything just stopped in a, in a split second. And all I could respond was, um, please hold on. I'm on my way now. And let's talk when I get there. When I listened to him and what was taking place, you know, it wasn't even the physical bullying. And he even described this as it wasn't even getting beat up at school, which he was. It was sitting down in a class and having a classmate say horrible things like, you should kill yourself, or I thought you were going to kill yourself last night, or you should do us all a favor and kill yourself. And these really disparaging remarks and watching how he wrestled that and seeing not only in myself, but in other adults who I have worked with deal with the emotional weight of that at work. And one of the things when we really boil it down is those workplace bullies, those school bullies, they have other issues in their life that they're wrestling through. And oftentimes it manifests in really terrible behavior. And from an HR perspective, we have a hard time with that. So you ask the question, what does this do good be kind about? Oh, maybe two years later, my wife printed a T-shirt for me with my email signature and it said, do good, be kind on it. And that T-shirt ended up in the hands of a school teacher who asked for it in different colors. And I remember she called one day, it was May three years ago, exactly. And she said, my principal would love to hear about your school program. And I told her, I said, Karen, we don't have a school program. And she said, well, you've got a meeting next Tuesday and I'm sure you'll come up with something. <laughs> so, you know, again, some people just push you off the cliff and some people opt to jump, right? She was the proverbial pusher. And we sat down with this principal and I loved what she had to say. And I, and I think about this in the context of work. And, you know, we could sit with Robin Schooling and talk about some of her stories from work, your work, work stories. I mean, we could write novels and books about bad behavior. But listening to this principal, she said, if we graduate a generation of students who can read and write, who know math and science, but don't know how to be kind, we will have failed. And we're failing our children. You know, what they see, how they navigate. And I, I projected that, you know, 10, 15 years in the future. And I thought, these are future business leaders. How will they treat one another? And so we walked out of that meeting. I said, okay, we'll do a school program. We'll come up with something. It was terrible. I'll be the first to admit it. Our first <laughs> was the, I look back on it now and I laugh. But it fulfilled this vision. I had this vision of what would happen if on a given Friday, 500 children in a community walked out of their school with the, the phrase, do good, be kind on a shirt. And they walked into a grocery store or they got on the bus or they, you know, went around. What, what would that look like? And that assembly led to more assemblies. I ended up writing a children's book. Last year I traveled and we did over 20 assemblies in four states and two countries. And the neat thing about that is it's parlayed now into businesses. And I think you can appreciate this where I've been asked to keynote uh, three conferences in the last year. And when I've asked them, you know, what would you like me to speak on? Do you want to talk about employer branding? Do you want to talk about employee engagement? The response astounds me. They say, we, we would like you to speak about do good, be kind as it relates to the workplace. And the studies are out there, you know, how many of our PTO days come back to not physical sickness, but emotional and mental health. And we are really sick as a society. And this is why I put that phrase out there about work-life harmony, because as workers in general, we'll kill ourselves 
for a company who will replace us tomorrow. But it's so hard for us, isn't it, to take 10 minutes to play catch or to shoot free throws or to make a meal or to shut down the laptop at 8 o'clock at night and walk away from it all. And so when I talk about this concept of do good, be kind in the workplace, it actually starts with being accountable with each other to alleviate workplace politics. And the number one pillar that we spend the most time addressing is being kind to yourself physically, emotionally, and mentally. And then we can be kind to others and then we can be kind to the world around us. And it's been a wonderful building block from there. And we're, we're building this out, you know, more fully and more broadly as an online platform for organizations to embrace, but it's slow. And a lot of companies, as you can imagine, they feel like, Oh, do good, be kind. It's so soft. It's such a soft phrase. And, and yet when you really boil it down, it's like I would say with leadership, it's simple, but it's not simplistic. There's a lot of work to be done. If it's that easy, people would do it. Right. <laughs> I think right. Too. Yeah, as we sit here and talk about employer brand and who does it well, you know, you flip the script, which I, again, as Wendy said, I appreciate you doing that. I think if it was easy to do, you wouldn't have a principal having a conversation with you about it. Yeah, it's really true. You know, we wouldn't see... Uh, the, the level of turnover that we see in organizations, the absenteeism, the weight of engagement, which I think is, you know, it's a it's a difficult number to measure anyway. But I'll, I'll share one one really quick story. I was doing a training for an organization. And at the end of my training, I always share the same story. I won't share it here because it's long, but I share the same story. It's very poignant and it highlights an organization's values. And it's my Kleenex story. I say that because you have to have a Kleenex or if you're a crier like me, a ShamWow on the table. <laughs> it's heavy, right? But I share the story and then I give everybody a Do Good Be Kind sticker. And I don't know where they're going to go. Some put them on their laptops or water bottles, whatever it is. And about six months later, same company calls. They've got a new group of directors. They asked if I'd come in and train. And what was fascinating is one of these VPs pulls me aside and he's the stoic what I look at, you know, kind of this rigid, no personality, stoic VP. And he says, I want to tell you something. All of our executives put your do good, be kind sticker on our laptops. And when we sit in our ELT meetings, when things get really heated, it's amazing. We'll look at these stickers on each other's laptop lids. And I can't tell you how many times it has paused the meeting and brought us back to center. He says, where in before, you know, things would be said that someone would regret or whatever. And he said, but just that visual representation, and I call them artifacts, right? It's a workplace artifact, but that visual representation that says, do good, be kind. He's like, I can't tell you how it's changed the dynamic of our executive leadership meetings, which I think is a fun story. There's, there's a place for it everywhere. Oh, and I, I appreciate you sharing that story. I think, you know, one of the things that we talk about and, and we'll, we'll be talking about in some of the chats is normalizing some of the conversations, um, some of these tricky, heavy, heavy conversations where you need to get your ShamWow out to to soak up the tears. But those are important stories and important things to share. And they're not sharing them is kind of how we got to where we are. Yeah. And that's not a good place to be. So um, thank you, Chris, for sharing your story. We appreciate it. No, thank um, you both. Love it. Love it. But. That's not the end of the show. No, of course. <laughs> there's, but wait, there's I more. I the full ride. I want the full ride. <laughs> we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. When the going gets tough, everyone depends on HR. Who do you depend on? Meet Paycor. Paycor builds HR and payroll software for leaders of medium-sized businesses. And we've been doing it for 30 years. So in challenging times, 
We're here to help you prepare with real-time insights, plan with actionable data, respond with the help of HR experts, and recover quickly. Paycor builds HR software for leaders who want to make a difference. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. And we are back. And so now it's time for the second half of the show, which is our half hour question connection. Chris, this is the, the moment where you get the same questions as everybody else. Um, so what career did you dream of having when you were a child? I dreamt of being in law enforcement. And fun fact, in 2006, I called my wife one day and said, I'm going to join the FBI. I had two little boys at the time and one on the way. And she just said, really? Okay. There was a long pause. And she said, do you just want to carry a gun and a badge and say you work for the FBI? And I'm like, yeah. Are you not walking 24? Jack Bauer, come on. <laughs> and um, and I did get accepted to the FBI in 2007. And I ended up turning it down. I went a different direction. But that was my dream. Chris, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? You know, one of the most, I would say, high-profile people that we see a lot simply because she's so social, but she's not high-profile enough, is Laura Mazzullo. And I know you interviewed her recently. Another, and so I'm going to pause on her, but there's a lady by the name of Eleni Payas, P-A-L-L-A-S. And I really think more people need to know her and the work that she's doing. She and I connected via Twitter had a brilliant conversation a couple of weeks ago, really about the things that we're talking about now, which is, and we hear this word empathy, but going further beyond that and how do we bring in, you know, real love, emotion, empathy into leadership and into organizations and the work she's doing there, I think is really brilliant. So Eleni Payas, P-A-L-L-A-S, I think is somebody that more people should know about. So a new HR professional asks you for one piece of advice. What do you tell them? Go into sales. Oh, wait. <laughs> I, I already knew that one, Wendy. I knew that. Right I love it. Well, I, oh, I love this question. A new HR professional asked for one piece of advice. My one piece of advice for anyone new into HR would be this. Block out sacred time early in your career to be curiously strategic. And when I say that, what I, what I have seen over the years in working with my HR BPs and uh, directors and v, even VPs of HR, it's, it's a profession that is often undervalued, it can become extremely transactional. And we hear this a lot about, you know, HR wanting to be strategic, and it goes beyond buzzwords. But when I talk about set out sacred time, if it's an hour a week, if it's a half a day a month, and when I say that, I mean, block out time to ask the Simon Sinek three questions. Why do we do it this way? How could we do it differently? what would be the impact if we did? You know, why, how, and what? And I'll share a super quick story behind that. I took over, I was leading a very large division, 100 employees. My retention was awful. And I remember when I took over this division, I was just told, hey, it's it's Northern California. Retention's always bad. It is what it is. But when I sat down and looked at my profit and loss statement, I was burning a quarter of a million dollars a year in turnover expenses, a quarter of a million. And that doesn't even account for lost sales or anything that, that was just re hard recruiting expenses, quarter of a million dollars. And I remember calling human resources and saying, Hey, man, I'm like bleeding people here. And they're like, well, it's Northern California. And I said, how do we fix this? And this is what I really appreciate this HRBP. I said, can I get a copy of all the exit interviews? Now, what would you say, Wendy, as an HRBP, if I were to call and say, can I get a copy of all the exit interviews? What is your knee jerk reaction to that question? 
What do you want to know? Exactly. <laughs> Why? Exactly Why? What happened. And they said, no, we can't do that. And I said, I'll make you a deal. I'll buy you a Dr. Pepper and a pizza if you'll take off, take off the names. I don't need to know names. I just want the raw data. And here was the exercise. When I really broke the data down, number one reason for leaving, compensation. Number two, not too far distant, they had a hard time with their manager. And then number three was development opportunities. Probably no surprise. I, I can see you nodding, Wendy. No surprise there. <laughs> well, my dad's a school teacher. And I thought, what would my dad do? I'm going to give everyone a pop quiz. And so I gave all 100 employees a pop quiz about compensation. It was a 10-question quiz. And it was things you should know. I mean, this is how you pay your mortgage and put food on your table, right? 10-question quiz. The average score was 3.5. And I called my human resource partner. I said, we don't have a compensation problem. We have a comprehension problem. Our comp plan is way too complicated. And we came up with a really simple strategy. And then level number two was with the managers. That responsibility was on me. How do we get the managers right? How do we have the development conversations? You know, what was interesting is we put a simple plan in place with the HRBP signing off on it. And within less than a year, retention went from 68% retention, 32% turnover to over 80% retention and reduced my turnover costs. That quarter of a million dollars I was losing went away. It was unbelievable. And so when I step back and I look at that, I think, why was the paradigm okay that this is just how it is for years and years and it's a high turnover every area? And so from a advice standpoint, that's a heavy word advice, but I would say early in your career, block out sacred time to be curiously strategic and ask why, even if you annoy people, even if you bug them, ask why, how, and what. And I'd have to add one other piece to this because I see it too often. Don't let your bad managers off too easy. Glassdoor has made it so transparent to see where the leadership foibles are. And I see too many members of human resources and talent and acquisition shouldering that workload of bad managers. And the one piece of advice I give to anyone I would consult with is if your managers aren't seeing those negative reviews and doing something about them, you are doing a disservice to them and the next HR business partner who is going to adopt them when they move on. Chris, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community or community at large? I do a lot of coaching, John. I really appreciate when people reach out. My wife will tell you I'm a terrible business person because I give away so much stuff for free. I do a lot of consultation on just, you know, glass door questions, transparency questions, employer branding questions. I love to do that. I've spoken a lot of events and I've even posted or been on different webinars for events where I'm just happy to give information. I think that's the best thing I can possibly do at this point with the resources that I've got and the experience that I've got. And if my mistakes can help somebody not step in the same sand trap, then I'm more than happy to, to coach there. What is your favorite movie? Jerry Maguire. I know. It's rated R. Don't tell my kids. <laughs> How about your favorite musician or band? Jack Johnson. Definitely Jack Johnson. You know, surfer vibe. We're here on the North Shore. I've had the opportunity to get to know Jack Johnson a little bit. He is the real deal. He's exactly what you would expect of him if you listen to his music. It's He's real. I've liked his music for a long time, but just being here on the North Shore even more so now, and especially after meeting him. Oh, that's awesome. I love his music. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Just that nice vibe, you know, yeah. relaxed, relaxed vibe. We um, had a, um, 
we had a, some very close friends here whose son, he was eight years old. He passed away two months ago. And um, here on Oahu, there's a really sacred ceremony that takes place. It's called a paddle out. The community, it's amazing. Look at me getting emotional. The community comes together and they all bring their surfboards and you paddle out into this bay. And, and there's an aerial drone shot of this paddle out. If you just Google hashtag Griff the Great, G-R-I-F the Great, this young boy, you'll start to see these aerial photos of this paddle out. And we're talking about a circle of people sitting on surfboards. It's almost a quarter of a mile in diameter. And when you paddle out, you paddle out in quiet to really kind of represent and honor that individual. And then when you get in the circle, you all start to bang the water, both to grieve, but also to celebrate their life. And it's a beautiful event. The reason I share this is as we gathered as a community, Jack Johnson showed up with just his guitar. For this small group of people, he played Home, which is a beautiful song of his. And it was just really tender. And if that gives any insight into the man that he is, you know, he wanted to do that because he said every time I would see Griff the Great at school, he would give me a high five and a big smile. That was his way of honoring Griff the Great on that afternoon of of his paddle out. How awesome. How about a favorite TV show? This is going to beat me. I was think I asked my wife this and we both laughed. Um, probably Cheers. Oh, good show. I know. What happened to the classics, right? Cheers, Seinfeld, and Night Court. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were. If I had to have a favorite show, it'd probably be Cheers. That, it's an excellent choice. No, yeah. one's, no one on this show is going to come after you for that. <laughs> Listen, I'm appearing on a Cheers podcast later this year. Yeah. So are you really? <laughs> yes, I really. Cheers cast. I mean, I can't I'll let, it, I'll let everybody know when it happens. You can't hear the intro to Cheers and not just get nostalgic, right, John? <laughs> That's right. Yes. Especially now, where everybody knows your name. What a great, great intro. It's perfect for this time. Chris, if you're not watching Jerry Maguire, you're not listening to Jack Johnson, and you're, you're not watching Cheers, what else do you like to do outside of work? Um, my hobbies have evolved. You know, I, I would have said cycling a few years ago. I still love to cycle. It's some great quiet time where you can get into a rhythm and just think. Lately, I have been leaving every morning uh, between 5 and 5.20 to catch a sunrise. And uh, we've been fostering a dog. And so if I'm not up by 519, he's licking my hand on the side of the bed. Anyway, but, uh, Pup and I, every morning for the last few months, we are chasing sunrises here on the North Shore of Oahu. And it's been great, quiet time. I don't have to worry about social distancing. I've yet to run into too many people on the trails at 530 in the morning. But it's been a great way to just get out and explore. And then, of course, I'm in that stage, John, where my children's hobbies are becoming my hobbies. So I, I'm not great with surfing, but I am learning to spear fish. And I will tell you, there is a great reward that comes from spearing a fish and having fish tacos a few hours later. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, Chris, finally, it is Chris Kurt's day all around the world. What are people doing to celebrate? Probably celebrating the fact that it's closing the end of Chris Kurt's day. What are they doing? I asked my wife this very question. She said, that's easy. They are looking for something nice to do to someone else. And I think by and large, we do kind things throughout the day. We do kind things for others. But I think about doing kind things that might feel a little bit vulnerable, baking bread for the homeless individual that might be down the street that you pass and think we should help, or maybe volunteering at a school and reading. Or I think in our profession, something so great that could be done, I encourage organizations to do, you know, go into a high school and sit with seniors and talk to them about career planning. 
not for the intent of purely recruiting them down the road, but for the intent of just genuinely helping them out. It would be something along the lines of of giving back. Chris, I, I, I don't think it gets any better than that. And I'm very appreciative that you were willing to give your time to us today and, and share your passion and your insights. I know there are probably some of the listeners that didn't know you before, but now that they've heard you here are going to want to connect. What's the best way for them to reach you out there? Well, first, let me say thank you so much for having me on the show. Wendy and I had a great dialogue a couple of weeks ago, and I'm grateful for this opportunity to, to be with both of you today. Um, you can always find me at dogoodbekind.life. It's going to be .org here pretty soon, but it'll be redirected. We just got our 501c3. Woo! So any corporate partners who may be listening to this, who would love to partner with our nonprofit, I'm going to put that plug in there. Uh, there is a lot of great things to come. You can always find us on Instagram at dogood.bekind. That's probably the best place to find me, or you can find me on Twitter at just peer through, and that's P-E-E-R-T-H-R-U, P-E-E-R-T-H-R-U, like peer through glass door. We will have all that in the show notes for sure. Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for listeners to find you? Uh, best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter at 7 p.m. Eastern time as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. And how about you, John? First off, we want to thank Paycor once again. Thank you, Paycor. June is going to be a great month. We've got a lot of great things planned and really excited to have Paycor in our corner for that. So thank you, Paycor. Yep. As far as for me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman. For the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, anything you can do to help us boost the signal we always appreciate. International listeners, you haven't contacted us <laughs> We're going to keep putting it out there. Yep. We'd love to send you something as a thank you for, for being part of the community. And we know you are listening because I see them. I see the numbers. I see people taking part in the chats, like our friend, new friend Zia in Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Yeah. Amazing. That's crazy. It's amazing. And yes. So please contact us. Let us know how to get in touch so we can take care, take care of those things for you. Yep. Again, Chris, appreciate your time. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you all soon. <laughs>